before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, tomorrow at Shabbat services, we will receive new members into the congregation. It's going to be a wonderful time. And if you're a Friday night person who thinks Saturday is off limits, I want to invite you back and give you a warm welcome. You can come twice on Shabbat. It is permitted. And I encourage you, if you are a member, to come again tomorrow and to welcome in new members. Joining a congregation is really an important part of the life of faith. And it's a way of saying to the Lord that, that you know that he has called you to be in this place and to put roots down so that you can be established and you can flourish. One of the important themes of this week's Haftorah reading in Jeremiah 17 is is about the life that God wants you and me to have. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses seven and eight. It said, blessed is the one, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord. The Lord will be his security. The Lord will be her security. He will be like a tree planted near water. It spreads out its what? Its roots. Pay attention to that. It spreads out its roots by the river. It does not notice when heat comes, and its foliage is luxuriant. It's not anxious in a year of drought, but keeps on bearing fruit. Well, all of us who live in Florida, we know what it's like to wilt in the sun. And we're doing it right now as the first signs of summer are already here, and it's just May. I was working out in the yard today in the heat of the day, just for an hour. But it took me another hour of drinking water afterwards to like recover my strength, because I wilted in, in that hot sun. The scripture says that the person who trusts in the Lord is actually gonna be compared to a tree that's planted by a body of water, by a river. And it spreads its roots by the river. You see, it knows to go deep in order to get where the water is. And for that reason, it doesn't notice when the summer heat comes, its foliage is luxuriant. It's not suffering, it says, in a year of drought. It keeps on yielding fruit. And the language of this passage is, is poetic, but it's, it's very direct as well. It can be understood very simply. If you are a person who trusts in the Lord, then the Lord will be your safety, and here's how it will manifest. You will be able to bear fruit even in a time of outward circumstantial insufficiency. You will 
be able to thrive even when the environment around you doesn't seem to be right. And the key is that you've got something underground. You've got roots, and they're growing in the right way. Now, some people don't realize that when a tree is unhealthy, it's often in the roots that the unhealth, the sickness, the disease is first manifest. But for a while, it could look like it's beautiful, and then it croaks. And you could check the roots, and you could see, oh, there's a lot of disease, or there's insufficiency. You learn in Florida, if you water too much, too frequently, but not deeply, your grass can grow green. But if you don't water for a day or two, it will be under such stress that it could, uh, it could just die quickly. The key for grass, the key for tomato plants, the key for grapevines, the key for trees is the roots need to be healthy. And so it is for those who trust in the Lord. It's not just the visible part, the outward part, the upward part. It's also the things underneath. And for that reason, we can, we can examine ourselves and we can say, where are my roots right now? Am I, are my roots established? Now, it's natural that those who belong to the Lord will do well. Let's look at Psalm 92, which continues in a similar um, imagery as the Haftorah reading, but it builds on it. It says, starting in verse 12, Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted where? Planted in the house of the Lord. And they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, hurrah. They will still stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Having gone through and come to the last season of life, those who trust in the Lord will be able to say, God was good to me. God was faithful. He was my rock. He is upright. He's straight. He's pure. He's honorable. There's, there's no shadow of turning in him, and there's no wickedness in him. And so we don't, we don't rebuke the Lord or, or say to the Lord, why do you do such hard and bad things for us? We say, thank you, Lord, even in a year of drought, you protect us. Even in a time of difficulty, you sustain us. When Yeshua once talked about um, who built their house on rock and who built their house on sand, he made an interesting statement. He said, the one who hears my word and does it is like the one who builds his house on rock. And when the storm comes and beats against his house, it remains standing. Say this with me, when the storm comes. Not if, right? When. And then Yeshua said, the one who hears my words but does not do them 
is like the one who builds his house on sand. And when the storm comes and beats against that house, it falls. The one who hears from the Lord and does what the Lord says, this is a wise person. And they will be stabilized in the storm. They will remain standing. It's like they build according to a different building code. How many remember as children going to the beach and you, you're building like a sand castle? But you can't quite estimate high tide, low tide, waves, etc. as a youngster. Or have you ever had to comfort a child who built a beautiful sand creation and then the water came in and washed their little house away and they were in shock. How could this happen? Well, it's understandable that a child would not be able to reckon all these things, but Yeshua says the one who hears his word but doesn't do it is, is foolish and naive like that child. And they end up building everything on sand and it won't stand during the storm. So one of the ways of knowing whether you are putting Yeshua's words into practice is this, when the storms come, do you remain standing? If you've been through a storm and you're still trusting in the Lord and you're still praising him and you're still serving him, good for you. But if during times of difficulty, you wither and you go away from the Lord and you say, all your questions are like, what's wrong with you, Lord? You let me down, you disappointed me. If that's all you have to say to the Lord, then you're not standing. And if you're not standing, then it reveals something. What does it reveal? You're in sand, that's exactly right. Now this passage, Psalm 92 verse 12 and the verses that follow, it's about those who are counted as righteous by the Lord. The righteous will flourish. So we have to ask this question, well who are such people? And we can say this about them. Number one, they're, they're people who follow in the footsteps of Abraham. How do we know that? Well, the scripture says Abraham trusted the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. And we could also say that they are the ones who bring pleasure to the Lord. Why? Because they trust the Lord and they live faithfully before him. The scripture says, without faith, but we have to understand that fully, without faith and faithfulness, it is not possible to please the Lord. But what if I keep every commandment without faith? But what if, what if I'm a really good person without faith? Mm -mm. You can't please the Lord. To trust the Lord and to be trustworthy in God's eyes is so important. To trust the Lord is one thing, but for the Lord to be able to trust us is another thing. But actually they're connected. Our trust in the Lord yields trustworthiness. If it doesn't, it's not really trusting the Lord. It's something else. It's empty faith. And then there's 
the passage in the prophets that Paul also spoke of, those who are just and righteous will live by their faith and faithfulness. That's my translation. The just will live by faith. Maybe you've heard it that way. But who are the just? They are the ones who are just and righteous. Righteous in what way? In this way, they're trusting in the Lord. And they're living by their faith and their faithfulness. It's not just that they believe the right things. It's not just that they can repeat doctrines correctly. It's that their life truly reflects what is pleasing to the Lord. So this this passage in Psalm 92 is about disciples of the Lord being planted and growing. And then the question is, where are they planted? What does Psalm 92 say? They're planted in the house of the Lord. Each congregation that's part of the body of Messiah is like a little sanctuary, a little house of the Lord. And so tomorrow when we're receiving new members, we're saying to the Lord, Lord, we trust you, and we want to live faithfully with you, and we want to be planted in the house of the Lord in this congregation. This is where we want to grow our roots. This is where we want to grow up. This is where we want to bear fruit. You see, this is a beautiful congregation. What makes it most beautiful is that we honor the Lord together. We join together to be a holy place for the Lord, both individually and corporately as a congregation. And this is a place where the Lord can dwell. The scripture says, quoting the Lord, build for me a sanctuary so that I could dwell with you. The Lord is looking for a place where he can be visible through the way that we live and the way that we love. Yeshua put it this way. I give to you a new commandment that you love one another the way I have loved you. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. By this, if you love one another. So what is the standard? Is it that you love better than your cranky mother? Or your father who abandoned you? No. I mean, yes, you want to do that. But that's not the standard. But what about the hypocrites? Is it that you just love more than the hypocrites? No. What about... Unbelievers, is it just that you love more than unbelievers? No. No, the standard is, is Yeshua's love. That the love of Yeshua would become the standard for us. We would be inspired by it. That's what I mean by standard. It's like, that's what I want. I want to be like that. I want his love in me flowing freely. Today I was talking to a a sales guy and I mentioned that Sandy and I are about to go away for a few weeks and we're going to uh, celebrate our 42nd anniversary. And so he said to me, wow, that takes a lot of patience. And I said, nah, 
we're in love. And he looked at me like, 42 years and you're still in love? It's like, yeah, you bet. One of the reasons we go away is to stay in love. Do you know what I mean by that? If, if, if you want to nurture something, you give it your best. If something's important, you take time for it. If it's unimportant, you give it just what's left over. And so we take time to be together uh, around our anniversary and to have no time with other people. I mean, we see complete strangers, of course, walking to and fro, but we take time just to be together and to refresh and renew our relationship, to enjoy ourselves together, to take walks and to have free time, almost no schedule whatsoever. I live a highly scheduled life, a lot of demands, and what for, for me, what's relaxing is not to have to be somewhere. Ah, oh. <laughs> except with my wife. And so I said to this guy, yeah, 42 years, we're like newlyweds. And he looked at me like I was from another planet. And then he smiled and he said, congratulations. And I understood I was talking about something that he was unfamiliar with or doesn't see very often. But it's a wonderful thing to, to talk about. If, if you're happy in your marriage, tell people. No marriage is perfect, and the reason is your spouse is married to you. <laughs> and none of us is perfect, right? It's not because they're not perfect, it's because we're not perfect. But the fact is, none of us is perfect. It's, it's not that we have perfection in ourselves or in our relationships, it's that we're sincere in our commitment to each other and through the ups and downs of life, we go through the challenges together, but we do everything we need to in order to preserve love and to build up love. If, if a marriage is moving towards deterioration, it almost always means that people are not sowing good seed and good food into the relationship. Why does it grow weak? Because it's not being nourished and nurtured. That's why. There's no mystery to it. it. It needs to be taken care of. It's like a tree. It needs water. It needs uh, care. Yeshua said, the standard is him and his love for us. And that we could love each other the way he does. And by this, all will know that we are his disciples. One of the best ways of telling other people good news is to show them good news. And one of the ways that we show them is by how we relate to each other. How we communicate with each other. How we prefer one another. How we respect each other. How we show kindnesses to one another. Wonderful congregations, by the way, don't happen accidentally, neither do wonderful marriages. They're the result. Uh, a wonderful congregation is the result of many people joining together and embracing this life of faith together. And each person who serves in the ministry in this congregation helps make it not just functional, but beautiful 
as well. So I congratulate everyone who is serving in the congregation. Your faithful service. This is really the secret that we want to make known to people. When every person does her part, when every person does his part, together we make a congregation healthy. And it's full of life when we're serving with excellence and with faith and with love. And those who join the congregation are really saying two things. They're saying, count me in. I want to be a part of this. But they're also saying, count on me. I want other people to be able to depend on me the way I can depend on the congregation. And they're saying, I want to be part of this community. I want to stand shoulder to shoulder together with with you. Count me in. Count on me. That's how we get planted. That's how we put down roots. That's how we become fruitful together. Now, with this in mind, what makes a messianic synagogue distinctive? Let's consider several aspects. This is a place where Jewish people can thrive who love the God of Israel and his Messiah. Three loves combine here. Love of God, love of the people Israel, love of the Jewish Messiah. They're combined together because to love the God of Israel, you've got to love Israel, right? If you hate Israel, you can't love the God of Israel. That wouldn't make any sense. So this is a place where these loves come together beautifully, but it's also a place where Jewish people and people from any other nation, any other ethnic group, any other people group can be joined together. And what joins us? Well, we share these three loves. We, we love God, we love the people of Israel, we love the Jewish Messiah. But there's a fourth love, and this love um, is just as important because it, it helps consummate the others. It's a love for people from any background who want to be with the Jewish people as we express our love for the God of Israel and his Messiah. This is so important. The Jewish people and Messianic Jews are not called to become ghettoized. We're not called to live in this world as if nobody else likes us. We're hated by the whole world. We have no friends. We only have enemies. We... Um, we can't get along with anybody and nobody can get along with us, so we need to be in a walled fortress of some sort to keep others out and to keep ourselves safe. That's not correct. We're called to be bold in our love for one another and our love for all kinds of people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life, you know what that means? God's life working in you. God's life alive in you. And it's alive in two ways. It's alive in this, on this side of life. And it's alive on the other side of life. It stays alive. You get to taste it now. You get to experience it now. And in the world to come. So we're made for two worlds. This world and the world to come. Isn't that awesome? 
So this love of the Jewish people, this is tricky business. Not everybody loves the Jewish people. That's why we have to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because some people don't want P-E-A-C-E for Jerusalem. They want P-I-E-C-E. They want a peace of Jerusalem. Or they want the whole thing to trample on. Isaiah said, and Yeshua said about God's house, that it's a house of prayer for all nations. And this is also a part of this week's Haftorah reading from Jeremiah in the previous chapters, Jeremiah 16, verse 19 and 20. The Lord, my strength, my fortress, my refuge in time of trouble. The nations will come to you from the ends of the earth. Now, let's just do a Bible check. Jeremiah, Jewish prophet or not a Jewish prophet? Jewish prophet, right. Messianic Jew? No, before the era. However, he had revelation that touches on the things of Messiah and the heart of Messiah. But look at this. He's proclaiming that in times of trouble he can draw near to the Lord and the Lord will be his strength and his fortress and that the nations will come to the Lord from the ends of the earth. Isn't that an optimistic view of the world? Not everyone believes in this. But I tell you, this is Jewish prophecy. And it's foundational for our understanding as a messianic synagogue. And this is what they say. And this is humility. Our ancestors inherited nothing but lies, futile idols, completely useless. <laughs> Can a person make himself gods? In fact, they aren't gods at all. So one of the things that, that brings people from other nations out of confusion is they realize there is a God. And that this God is the God of Israel. And they say, you know what? What we got from our ancestors didn't teach us this, but now we know. And for that reason, we want to serve Almighty God, the one true God, the God of heaven and earth, the God of Israel. And we want to be in friendship with the Jewish people. Very straightforward. So this is proclaiming that the nations will come to the God of Israel from all parts of the world. Now that's something we see here at Beth Israel. People gathered from many different places, from many different ethnic groups joining together. It's one of the things that makes Beth Israel beautiful is that we have people from all over the place. And you can ask the, yourself this. How is it possible at a time when there's so much polarization and so much alienation and so much extremism that people of such diverse backgrounds and experiences can come together and love each other? How could that be? Here's the answer. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's how it can be. Do you remember Yeshua said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You will be. But he said, you can't be until you receive the Holy Spirit. The task is too hard. The task can't be accomplished just by human effort. The task requires that you be nurtured from the inside, through your roots, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. It's, the Holy Spirit needs to be in us, not just around us, but he needs to live within us and be able to lead us. And when he's in us, we become like a tree of the Holy Spirit. What kind of fruit does an orange tree bear? Yeah, it's not a trick question. What kind of fruit does a lemon tree bear? Lemons. What kind of fruit does a Holy Spirit tree bear? Holy Spirit fruit. Yeah. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is. You can keep going. You get it? Yeshua said you'll know a tree by its fruit. Right. Don't be fooled. You'll know a tree by its fruit. So it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When, when God poured out the Holy Spirit on Shavuot in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, it was a new beginning. It was part of his fix for the breakdown between people groups on the face of the earth. I remember being in Boston on Shavuot one year, not far from MIT and Harvard and some of the great educational institutions. And I was, I was speaking to an unusual group of people, but I decided that I would speak about the Tower of Babel. Because in the scriptures, it says that they baked bricks and built a tower very high. And so it describes uh, the human intellect and advanced technology. It's not that they cut stones, they baked bricks, technology. And I thought, how fitting for you know, being so close to MIT. Massachusetts Institute of Technology, you know, one of the great uh, technological institutions in the world. And how great to be in Boston, which has one of the highest uh, earned doctorate degree rates of any uh, metropolitan area in the United States. One of the most educated places. And to, and to talk about the Tower of Babel and its connection to not technology, but the overconfidence that people have when they think technology is the only answer and they don't need God. And how God scattered the people and they could no longer speak and understand each other. So then you fast forward to Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit's poured out and, and Jewish people from all over the scattered world have regathered in Jerusalem. It's, it's one of the regalim, one of the pilgrimage festivals. And they come back, and the Holy Spirit's poured out on them, and they're speaking in, in tongues and languages that they didn't learn. But when they're speaking, each person hears their words as if it was their language, which is bizarre, isn't it? 
because the guy from Greece is saying, they're speaking in Greek, and the guy from Italy says, no, it's Italian. (laughs) And then they're saying, well, what is going on? And you know what was going on? The Holy Spirit, in his own unique way, was reversing the curse of Babel that separated people. And now, through a language we don't understand, but by the Holy Spirit, we can cross the barriers of culture and geography and ethnicity and age and rank and serial number. And we can find common ground with all kinds of people. Isn't that an amazing work of God? So one of the beautiful results of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that people of all kinds can connect together. So as we're growing together in our faith and our faithfulness, let's remember our love for Jerusalem and the modern state of Israel because that also is one part of the puzzle. And this is what I want to conclude with. On Monday, May 14th, according to the common calendar, we'll celebrate the 70th birthday of the modern state of Israel. And when you think of Israel, don't just think of the Holy Land. I mean, that's good, but that's kind of antiquities-oriented. Think of it as the homeland for our people. 70 years ago, the modern state of Israel was officially established, and I want to read just a paragraph from the History Channel of all places that wrote a nice, succinct statement. On May 14, 1948, in Tel Aviv, Jewish Agency Chairman David Ben-Gurion proclaims the State of Israel, establishing the first Jewish state in 2,000 years. In an afternoon ceremony at the Tel Aviv Art Museum, Ben-Gurion pronounced the words, We hereby proclaim the establishment of the Jewish state in Palestine to be called Israel. Prompting applause and tears from the crowd gathered at the museum, Ben-Gurion became Israel's first premier. On Monday. So on this Shabbat, as we're welcoming new members, let's also join in the celebration of the 70th birthday of the modern state of Israel. So come back tomorrow, join us tomorrow as as we move forward together with others who are moving forward with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you add to us and we want to love and respect those you're adding. We pray your blessings upon them, that they would be like trees planted by the river, that they would thrive, that they would be fruitful, that they would grow in their love of God and their love of their fellow man, that they would serve you and serve in this congregation, and that their feet would be blessed and beautiful as they bring the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And if you're standing by yourself, rise and move. 
Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.